2016 was a year um, that started with a series of messages from Paul. And I've been listening back to a few messages, much like Ben said last week. Ben brought a brilliant message last week about change the game, and specifically change the game discipleship. And listening back to some of the messages that Paul did, I'd encourage you to go and do that. If you've got some spare moments, I'd listened in my car on my way into work because I've got half an hour, 45 minutes of just being able to, to spend a bit of time. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that really struck me that Paul said in his messages last year was probably not one of his main points. Um, but it was, um, he's talking about how 2016 was going to be a year that we were going to grow. It's going to be a year that we were going to be discipled. It's going to be a year that he believed that we were going to change. And I believe that is what's happened um, for the vast majority of people within the church and for everybody within the church, whether you realize it or not. But he said that sometimes that involves having a little bit of muck and that roses sometimes need the muck to be able to grow. And every time I've watched over the last few weeks, I've watched TV and they've got these roundups of 2016. There's an overwhelming negativity about 2016 and how it's a complete write-off and we're better off leaving it because it just, everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong. And I just thought, do you know what? Sometimes in the difficult stuff and when life doesn't turn out the way that we thought, that is when we grow. And that's when God gives us an opportunity to grow and disciple us. And so what I felt really personally challenged by is something that I struggle with in general, but to be positive, to speak positive things about 2016 and what was positive about that year. And I would encourage you to do the same because there's, a, there's an instinct in us. I'm not sure whether it's a, a British thing um, or a kind of generic humanity thing. Um, but to focus on the negative. And I'd really encourage you, where all the media is focusing on the negative, focus on what was great about 2016. And if, there, and if you feel like there was nothing great about 2016, think of the good things that God can bring out of that situation. Because the Bible says that God works all things for the good of those who love him. So there is a promise there that you can hold on to. And I wasn't planning on starting with that, but I just really felt to say that at the start. But 2016 um, was about discipleship and about growing and about, um, we know that the core values of the church and the vision of the church to love, grow, and serve and to have passion and freedom and kindness. And that's really um, what we've been doing over the last year in terms of building bridges into the community. And we've heard some um, brilliant stories from Rob and Becky this morning. And what they've been doing with the youth is absolutely sensational this last year. And I truly believe that that is going to continue to grow and continue to develop and continue to be a blessing to the young people in the estate, but also the young people of this city as a whole. But 2016, we've seen some great things happen. And we heard that last year, um, last week, even about creating opportunities. And when we talk about building bridges, I believe what we're really talking about talking about is creating an opportunity to encounter Jesus. That's the whole point. It's about an opportunity to encounter. And as a church, corporately, we've done that. We've done that with TOGS. We've done that with turning Easter eggs into schools. We've done that with Christmas presents into schools. Um, I don't know if you know, but um, schools actually come into this building to have a look around the building and, and find out about the church and, and what it does, which is fantastic. It's another opportunity for them to encounter Jesus. We've done it um, corporately in so many different ways with a fun day and all sorts of different opportunities for people to encounter um, Jesus in this building. But what I'd like to talk about this morning is about the personal building bridges and about how we can personally build bridges with the people that we encounter, the people that are around us. 
And remember, we're talking about an opportunity to encounter Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus, if, you've, if you follow Jesus, if you've invited Jesus into your life, that Jesus lives in us. It talks about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit, that actually where we go, the Holy Spirit goes, and Jesus goes with us. So today, I'm going to focus a little bit more on not so much building bridges, but actually being bridges for people. That we can have those relationships and we can have those conversations, but we can essentially be the opportunity for people to encounter Jesus. And that's interesting because it puts a fair bit of pressure on us, actually, if you think about it. But we know that God works well with broken vessels. That he's chosen to use us, even though we are broken and that life is difficult and that we're not perfect. But God chooses to use the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That God chooses to use the things that are broken and kind of pushed down, but to glorify him. And I think there's a real faith element to that and that we really need to to dig in deep that God can use us regardless of our circumstances. But I want to put a bit of a biblical context behind what I'm talking about. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. and it starts like this. It's kind of, it's almost um, it's something that you hear around Christmas time. One of these, it's one of these introductory passages um, to the Christmas story, really. Um, but in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and Trachonitis and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood. <laughs> I couldn't remember the next word. I do apologize. High priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough way is smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. That's what I think building bridges is about. Paul spoke earlier on in the year about the, um, the centurion and the faith of centurion, and he built the synagogue for the people. Didn't have to, did it out of the kindness of his heart and the generosity of his heart, but he built the synagogue. He created an opportunity for the people to encounter God, and that was a God that he didn't even believe in. This is about God creating an opportunity for him to encounter you and for him to encounter the people that you come into contact with, preparing the way for the Lord, making the paths straight, every mountain and hill made low, every valley laid up. It's about uh, creating an opportunity to encounter. So I've got four things to talk about that John specifically did to create an opportunity to encounter Jesus. And I'm going to bring a few props on and various things over the course of, uh, of this um, preach. But we're going to talk about a few things that, God, that John specifically had about him. John the Baptist is a really interesting character. He was Jesus' cousin. Um, and he was, what do we think, about three months um, older than Jesus, potentially. But he had a very different life and a, and a different upbringing. But he had two parents called Zachariah and Elizabeth. And Zachariah was one of the priests within the temple. And for the first point, we're going to go back to before John was born. 
Because one of the things that I believe about John the Baptist and what we can learn from him about how to prepare the way of the Lord in the people around us is that he knew that he was called of God. He knew that he had a purpose, that there was a purpose to his life. And we'll have a look at a scripture about that. This is a scripture um, of um, an angel talking to John's father before John is even born. And it's in Luke chapter 1, 13 to 17. Said, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John had this spoken over him before he was even conceived. Can you imagine having a conversation with your parents along the lines of, God told me that you were going to be born and this is what he said? How many of us have had, has anyone had that? Anyone had that experience? One person? Really? Wow, fantastic. So there, there, there is a, there's, this is a biblical precedent for something that is currently happening, but it's a very rare occurrence. That's one person in, in a room, and I would estimate you could probably pack another few hundred or thousand people in here, and they wouldn't have had that experience. But that is something that is very, very rare. John knew that he was called. He knew that he had a purpose. But we, just because that hasn't necessarily been spoken over you doesn't mean that you don't have a call and you don't have a purpose. There's another scripture after John is born, Luke 1, 76 to 80, which is the words of his father speaking over him. It says, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And it says this, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. John had a calling. He had a purpose. And he had um, a reason for being there. Sometimes we don't always feel like that. I don't know if you've had experiences where you've felt that you um, are potentially the worst person to be put in this situation. Um, or put in a situation where you think, if, if I was choosing anybody to do this thing, I would choose anyone else but me. Um, I have frequent experiences along those lines. Um, we have uh, three children. My wife and I have three children, two of whom are in primary school. Now, primary school is an interesting experience. It's something that we've kind of been thrown headfirst into as parents and not having a clue what's going on. And I'm convinced that primary school teachers do this on purpose. I'm talking, of course... Um, about homework. And I can tell you, as a father, there is nothing that will fill you with more panic than the conversation that occurs between my wife and I along the lines of, Tim, um, can you just give Elijah a hand with his homework, please? I don't have a clue how to do his homework. He's in year three. <laughs> have not got a clue. And I'm convinced teachers are doing it on purpose. There seemed to be a perfectly good way of doing things when I was in year three that worked absolutely fine. I came out fairly well-adjusted, fairly well-educated, no problem at all. And they appear to have just changed 
everything. And not told anybody about it. Unless you're a teacher and you're in the club. And that's fine. But as parents, I don't have a clue. Does anyone know anything about grid multiplication? I need to spend some time with you people. I don't know how to do that at all. Totally different way of doing things. Now, it doesn't help that I've forgotten a lot of the things that I did back then. For example, can anyone remember how to do long division? See, this just makes me feel more and more inadequate. Did you put your hand up then? My wife just put her hand up to say, you're doing that every single time there. That's fine. I can't remember how to do long division. Not a clue. Grid multiplication, haven't got a clue. And it seems like sometimes in those situations, I open the book to help him. Bearing in mind, I'm supposed to be the one who knows, knows what they're doing, and I'm supposed to help. And he has to explain to me what some of the words mean. He had English homework the other day, and the, um, the sentence went along the lines of, use these words as a metaphor in a sentence. The next one, and I thought, well, I've got an idea of what metaphors mean, that's fine. The next one, you may guess what it was, was use these words as a simile in a sentence. My wife was stood on the other side of the kitchen, and I remember kind of mouthing behind Elijah's back to her, what? What's the difference between a metaphor and a simile? She stood over going, I don't know. That's why I got you to do it. (laughs) So I did what I always do in these situations, which is I asked Siri. Um, Or Google, depending on your, your particular persuasion. I am concerned that my children are steadily, as they advance through school, just going to replace me with Siri Um, because he's much better at these things than I am. But sometimes you end up in a situation where it just feels like you're completely out of your depth and that actually I'm not really the right person for this situation. But do you know what? They're my kids. Who else is going to do it? Yeah, I mean, I could. I suppose you could look into getting math tuition or you could look into getting somebody external in. But they haven't got the relationship and they're not there all the time and it's going to be expensive, so it's probably not going to work out. Sometimes we're in the situation, whether we like it or not, whether we feel qualified or not, because of the relationship. That's just the way it is. And whether you feel called to be in your workplace, or you feel called um, to be in your school, or you feel called to be wherever you happen to be, actually, you're there, and you've got that relationship, and that relationship exists for a reason, I believe whether we realize it or feel qualified for it or not. And the opportunity to build a bridge is there. The opportunity to be a bridge for somebody is there. And we have to take that opportunity the best way that we can. Um, And whether you feel that you're called, to a certain extent, is irrelevant. Because you are. Whether you feel called or not doesn't change the fact that you are called to be in that situation. The only thing I can advise you to do, which is what I do um, with homework, is pray. Um, But also, when I'm placed in situations where actually I I don't really feel qualified to have this conversation with somebody or I'm not ready, sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong. I can think of situations where um, it feels like God has given me the perfect opportunity to step into a conversation and open the door and talk about my faith and all that sort of stuff, and I've got it completely wrong. And there have been occasions where I've got it right. And I think that's just part of being broken and being not perfect and not quite there yet. But that doesn't change the fact that I'm still called to be there in that situation and demonstrate Jesus to people, to be the bridge for people, to build the bridge and create an opportunity to encounter Jesus as best I can. 
So John the Baptist knew that he was called. The other thing that John the Baptist was, was prepared. He was built of the right stuff. Sometimes um, we're not actually the best kind of bridge that we can be. Sometimes we want to be a bridge for people and we want to create an opportunity to encounter Jesus. But actually we need to do some work on ourselves first. We need to be discipled first. We need to grow a little bit first. Luke 180, which is the last verse in the previous um, section that I read, says this. The child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. John had a time being away from everybody, preparing himself. And it's said in the, in the previous scripture that he, he won't have any wine, he won't have any fermented drink, etc. That's, that's talking about a lifestyle of discipline within that cultural context. And saying that actually he was prepared, he prepared himself to be ready. Matthew 3, 4-5 describes John's clothing, which is an interesting fashion statement, um, which is that John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. But people, I almost feel like there should be a but there. There isn't, but I'm just kind of putting it in myself. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. But that clothing and that lifestyle was, again, it was a symbol of the lifestyle that he'd led prior to that. Lifestyle of discipline within the desert, within the wilderness. And it would have been a particular kind of group that focused on discipline and focused on um, on spending time alone with God. Um, and he, he may have had an appearance that was a little bit off-putting, but people still came out to him. He still created an opportunity to encounter Jesus. So here's a question for you. As things currently stand, what kind of bridge are you? Because I have three potential options, and you may be none of them. I'm not saying these are the only bridges that we have, but I have three potential options that I'd like to, to kind of go through. The first one... Um, is this. Now this, does anybody know where this is? This is in the Lake District. Um, this is Pooley Bridge. And um, Pooley Bridge is a fantastic little, ta- little village, kind of town, I suppose it is a village really. There's about there's two shops and a pub and a few houses. Um, but it's on the bottom end of a lake called Oldswater. My wife and I went there on holiday a few years ago. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. A couple of years ago, this bridge got absolutely obliterated in the flooding and just got washed away. Um, and so the first kind of bridge that we can potentially sometimes be in our life is a ruined bridge. Um, and it's where sometimes we can feel like we've been swept away or occasionally kind of left to decay. Um, circumstances has got in the way. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. It's kind of gone a little bit bizarre. Um, but on occasion, we can feel like we're really not ready to be a bridge for people because actually we're dealing with a load of stuff ourselves. We're really dealing with, with some difficult circumstances and some, some stuff that we've got going on. You know, tragedy may have occurred. It may have been a really difficult 2016 for you in that regard as well. And sometimes we don't feel like we're able to focus on somebody else. I may have said this before, I can't remember, but there's, there's something about pain, um, that physical pain or emotional pain shrinks your world down to the point where you can only focus on your immediate circumstances. And you see it with people in physical difficulty. If they've got real physical pain, they can't think about anything else. That's the only thing that they can focus on. It's the only thing that they can think about. And sometimes we're just not in a position to be a bridge to other people because we need to be built up. We need to allow God to build ourselves back up again. Now, the bridge doesn't look like this anymore. Um, it has been kind of renovated and, and fixed. In fact, we're going back to the Lake District 
um, to that sort of area in, in this year. So hopefully it will, it will be there. Otherwise, we'll have a really long detour all the way around. Um, but sometimes we need to allow God to build ourselves back up. We need to allow um, ourselves to remember that whatever difficulties come, whatever storms we may face, whatever we may feel like, that Jesus is still on the throne. That regardless of whether you are clear as to what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after or the week after, Jesus is still in control. Jesus is still on the throne. He is still sovereign over your life. He still has a plan for you. You still have a hope and a future. You still have that joy available to you at any moment in time. But it's a choice. Because we can choose to stay in that state or we can choose to allow God to build us up. And sometimes that means opening ourselves up to other people. Sometimes that means allowing other people to speak into our lives. Sometimes that means just taking a step of actually getting up and moving on, whatever that step looks like for you as an individual. But can I encourage you um, to allow God to build you back up? Sometimes we've been built in the wrong way and we need to allow God to knock ourselves down again. And then build with the right foundations, build on his word, build on his love so that we can be a person. So a ruined bridge is one potential option. The second one that we've got is a toll bridge. Uh, can anyone know, tell me where this is? Sorry? The seven this is. This is the seven bridge. This is billed as the most expensive stretch of tarmac in the world. Not just the UK, the world. Per metre, you're paying more to cross this bridge than anything else. Now, as a Welshman... Um, there's a, you pay to go into Wales. You don't pay to leave. Um, it's uh, something about the value you place on, on where you go. I'm not sure about that. Um, but sometimes we can be a bridge where we um, almost place a cost on other people. That actually we, um, we kind of make them pay a price to come um, into an encounter with Jesus. And that can be anything from um, we want them to behave the right way before they encounter Jesus, or we want them to dress the right way, or smell the right way, or, or be the kind of person that we want to spend time with before we'll actually talk to them and, and start to build that bridge. Sometimes it's because we're not willing to pay the cost of that relationship. And it's difficult, and it's hard, and it's hard work. But we can choose not to be um, a toll bridge. Um, I'm going to return to the homework. Um, there's another different type of homework that we've uh, come across and encountered. Um, firstly, you've got your maths homework, you've got your English homework, nice and straightforward, all good. Then there is the homework, which again, I am sure that the primary school teachers are doing it on purpose, is the project. Has anyone come across the project? It tends to be a half-termly thing. Um, we had an, op- an option of, we, we had to do it at some point over the course of the half term. Um, and it's generally something that you, you open the child's homework book, look at and think, I have no clue how I'm going to do that. Not a clue at all. And I'm sure that in primary schools, and there are some primary school teachers or ex-primary school teachers in the room, can you confirm this? Do you sit in meetings at school and think, what can we do that the parents are going to find really hard? Because we had this, we, we had a, um, he was doing a project, half-termly project on London. Great, did, did, London, did the Great Fire of London, did the, the play, I think the plague was in there and throwing lots of history, brilliant, fantastic. The project was to build a building or a landmark from London. 
Now, some of you are thinking, genius, I know exactly what I'd do. Some of you are thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do that. That was the thought that went through my head. So we put it off, and we put it off, and we put it off, and put it off until it's the week before half term, and we think we're going to have to build this landmark. So, fortunately, I am married to an absolute genius who came up with a plan. Uh, And the plan was that we would build Tower Bridge. And we have built Tower Bridge. If, uh, Wayne, if you'd like to, to bring it up. Now, you have to be as impressed with this as I was, because genuinely, this is amazing. When you're thinking that you, you're just going to have to send him in with a shoebox and pretend it's a skyscraper, that is cool. Now, before you start saying there's no bridge across the top or anything, just if you can build a better one, be my guest, that's fine. But check this out. I know. It does it on the other side as well. There were little pegs that you could hook it onto as well. It's all very, very impressive. Um, and we, we sold this idea to Elijah because he wanted, I can't remember what he wanted to build. He wanted to build St. Paul's Cathedral. <laughs> he said, <laughs> when, that's, that's a nice idea, nice idea, tactfully. Have you thought about Tower Bridge? No. Well, I think Tower Bridge would be a really good thing to do. So we, we came up with this plan and we, and we built this um, fantastic thing. The thing is, Elijah, we started building this at six o'clock the night before it was supposed to be handed in. Okay, we're setting a good precedent for our child. Um, He'll be great at university with essay deadlines. Um, But we started at six o'clock in the evening. He went to bed at half past seven. We were still building it at 11. And it was at that point that I thought, what on earth am I doing here? 11 o'clock at night, I'm coloring in with pencil crayon to make it look like he's done it. I'm colouring in the water underneath the bridge. And you find yourself in situations where you think, I just, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I building this bridge? Um, But there was a reason for it, and there was a reason behind it. And the the third kind of bridge that you can potentially be, um, I classify as the impossible bridge. This is the world's highest bridge um, it's called the Azihai or Azihai Bridge in China. Um, it is ridiculously high. And you'd look at that expanse and think, I haven't got a clue where to start with that. Sometimes we look at a relationship or we look at a situation, or we look at a person and think, you know what, they, they really, really need Jesus. But I haven't got a clue where to start. I don't have a clue. But you have to remember, you know someone who does. Because Jesus knows where to start. He knows where to start building. And it may not look massively impressive, but it will be something that has an impact for that person. And you can do something to create an opportunity to encounter Jesus. And remember, this is, all this is is an opportunity. They don't have to take it, and they won't always take it. But you're creating an opportunity to encounter Jesus, to demonstrate his love, to demonstrate his freedom, to demonstrate his kindness to them. Third thing that John the Baptist is. So remember, he was called. He was called. And the second one, (laughs) prepared. He was called and prepared. Good. You have those blank moments. That happens with homework. Um, Third thing is he was steadfast. He knew what he believed, and he lived it out. Luke 3, 7 to 14, 
he doesn't say the most welcoming of sentences to people. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now it's interesting because the crowd don't then turn around and go, well, we're off then. What they say is, what should we do then? The crowd said. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. And they asked John, teacher, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely, and be content with your pay. John was somebody that people came to for advice. He didn't always tell them what was good to hear or what was nice for them to hear or the, or the, the acceptable answer, but he, he knew where his moral compass was. He knew that it was built on the word of God, that whatever situation he may be put in, that actually was going to choose to go Jesus' way, to go God's way. John was steadfast, and I believe that's something that's really important when you're building bridges with people, is to be steadfast and to be consistent. And that's difficult, because sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. But if you want to create an opportunity for people to encounter Jesus, then you need to be steadfast. You need to hold to the word of God and what Jesus says, even when it's not popular. The fourth thing that John was, was that he was humble. John knew who he was, and he knew who he wasn't. John 1 1 to 13 is quite a long passage of scripture, but it's my favorite passage of scripture, or one of my favorites, but I'm going to go with my favorite at this point. Um, So I thought we'd just read the whole thing because it is just spectacular writing and the the wording of the promise of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I love that passage of scripture, but it sums up for John what he was and what he wasn't. He was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And I think we fall into that category as well. There's another scripture which we won't read the whole of, but John 1, it goes on verse 19 to 23, where some leaders come to John and ask him outright, are you the Messiah? He says, I'm not. I'm not the Messiah. In fact, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. And one that you do not recognize is coming into the world. John 1, 36 to 37 John is standing there with two of his disciples, 
and he saw Jesus passing by and he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. John knew when to get out of the way. That actually it wasn't about him. It's about Jesus. He can be the bridge. He can create the opportunity. But the point is that people encountered Jesus and he pointed people to them. When we'd finished this model, um, we had the next day the bringing it into school. And I don't know if any of you have brought the project into the school, into school before, um, but you're surrounded by children carrying models that clearly parents have built. And you'll look around and think, there is no way an eight-year-old has built that. Completely hypocritically, because we've built that for him. <laughs> but you do look around and you think, there was one child who came in with a fully working model of the London Eye. They'd got a bicycle wheel and welded it. I'm thinking, what eight-year-old can weld? (laughs) Seriously? Welded it onto a metal plate on the bottom. It had working electric lights. It had little pods around, little Lego men in, doors opened and closed. It was sensational, right? And the whole time, you're thinking, I've spent ages on this project, and no one's looking at that one. Everyone's looking at the London Eye. And then sometimes as a parent, you've got to realize that um, it's not about me. The whole point is that it's not about me. And actually, it really shouldn't be about me at all because um, technically it's his homework, but it doesn't become his homework. It becomes my homework um, and Ree's homework. And it's, it's very difficult. So you, you sometimes have to remove yourself from the equation. And you can see other parents doing it. You look around, everyone's kind of looking at each other's and then making an active choice to go, well, actually, it's not my project. It's... It's theirs. And sometimes we have to do that in our relationships as well. Sometimes we have to know when to get out of the way. And you know when to, when to have the conversation and when to just leave it. That it's about the encounter with Jesus. And it's about that person's individual walk with Jesus. But someone has to be the bridge. It's not a glorifying thing. If you're looking for glory, building bridges is not going to be for you. If you want to be the reason that somebody came to Jesus, that's, you've missed the point. The point is that they come to Jesus. One of the most famous passages of Scripture, Jesus is sitting teaching and a load of children are trying to come to him. And the disciples prevent them because it doesn't look right or it's not, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's not culturally acceptable. And Jesus says, hold on, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Sometimes we have to get out of the way. So can I encourage you, whatever you take from this morning, have a building bridges mentality. Have a being a bridge mentality. Think about the opportunities that you have in your workplace, in your family, in your school, in whatever circumstance you're in. The opportunities that you have to be Jesus to somebody, to demonstrate Jesus to someone, to create an opportunity to encounter Jesus. Because you're called to be there. Not only are you called to be there, but God has prepared you to be there. He is preparing you to be there. If you don't feel ready, you might not be. 
But you might be. You just may not know it yet. He's prepared you to be there. Take the opportunity to speak to somebody. Take the opportunity to know where you're going. Choose to be steadfast in your convictions. Be consistent. Be consistent with those people when they're talking to you. But I'd say, be consistent in your brokenness. Acknowledging that you're not perfect. That you may get it wrong. But that actually the point is that they encounter Jesus. They're not here to encounter you. They're here to encounter Jesus. Know when to be humble and when to get out of the way. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for 2016. God, I thank you for every bridge that was built in that year. God, for every opportunity to encounter you. God, I thank you for the, for the many, many people who did encounter you last year. But Jesus, we pray for more. God, in 2017, that more and more people will come to know you. More and more people will encounter you. And Jesus, I pray that you will help us to be built into bridges for people that will create opportunities to encounter you. And if you've never encountered Jesus yourself, then this is an opportunity for you to encounter him this morning. If you would like to, there'll be people at the front who will pray with you and can introduce you to who Jesus is. So after the gathering, if you want to come to the, come to the front, somebody will pray with you. Or speak to the person that you came with. But Jesus, this week, I pray that you will help us to take every opportunity to build relationships, to build friendships, to build those bridges that will cause people to encounter you.